Now we're going to pick up the story, Judges chapter 6. Um, the, 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 the idols have been dealt with, um, chapter, verse 33. It will come up here. Um, we're going to read from verse 33 of chapter 6 down to verse 8 of chapter 7. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. And he sounded the trumpet and the Abiezrites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun and Naphtali and they went up to meet them. These are various different tribes of Israel. And then Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I'm laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone and it's dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early next morning, he squeezed the fleece. He wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, Let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night and it was dry on the fleece only and on all the ground there was dew. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the king of Midian was north of, and the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, "The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever's fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away." From Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say to you, This one shall not go with you, shall not go. So we brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. A number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go every man to his home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men and the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. It's the word of God. Father, thank you for this text, this story and all that's in there. Um, Thank you that in it all, Lord, there is um, living and active words here to revolutionize our lives today and to help us find where we fit in your story and we just pray lord as i unpack this please help me with it please help me to speak words that are wise that are full of your spirit i pray my own heart would be uh, my motives would be pure as i speak lord i pray that those who hear lord god that faith would come lord god i pray that truth would penetrate lord we just pray have you let us have a let us have a mighty time with you through this sermon i pray in jesus name amen Amen. There are really uh, three main things I want to draw your attention to um, through this passage today. It's quite naturally broken down into three chunks, the story. The first element is this moment where the Midianites come in again, Gideon blows the trumpet, and 32,000 people gather to him. Now, it's quite a simple point I want to make that I want to start off with, and it's this. It's that the anointing of the Lord on Gideon causes him to be able to gather people. 
Here's a man who not long ago was, was when, when, when the angel of the Lord first came to him, this is the way uh, that he uh, described himself. He said, Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. That's his response. Okay? I belong to a very insignificant group and out of that group, I'm the least significant. God comes on him and calls him and the next thing we know, he's blowing a trumpet and he's, he's calling people and he's sending out to these various tribes. There's this extraordinary ability on him suddenly to gather. You find 32,000 warriors come, come, to, come to join with him. It's a remarkable thing. Uh, and you see it throughout the Bible that when, when God is at work in something or in someone, there is, a, there is the ability to gather. It's an, it's an important thing to notice. Now, I'm not saying that everything that gathers people is of God. I'm not saying that for a moment. The things that gather people that are not from God. But when God is on someone or something or a group of people, one of the marks is that it's a, people sense it. People get it. I remember when we were first about to plant the church here, and, um, and at this point it was myself, Davina, and three children. Yay, you know, it's great. Uh, but we felt we needed a few more people. And we would, we would invite people around for tea and, you know, give them our best food and, uh, and, then, tr- and then drop it, you know, by the way. And it was an interesting thing because there were times people say, okay, tell us the vision. And you feel like you're at a sales pitch. You think, I don't know what to say. All I know is we think God's called us. We think God's called us to move north of the river and start a church. And we'd love you to come with us. And actually, as I've reflected over the years looking back on that, I think actually more important than a set vision or a five-year plan or whatever, the big deal is this, is that people sense, actually, I, yeah, I think, God is with, I think God really has led these people. I think God is with them. And I think really, if even just the, the joy of what God has done among us and what God has built among us as a church, it's because, it's because God is with us. That's, that's what it is. And I want you to understand that more than anything else, it's God's hand is with us. It's not, just, uh, it's not just a kind of a random thing that's happened, not just a sociological thing, not just that we've tapped into kind of a, you know, the way that human traffic is migrating. God has done something and gathered a people together under the Lordship of Jesus. That's what's going on. That is, what, that is really the essence of church Church planting, church building. Gideon is a type of Jesus who blows the trumpet. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades won't prevail against it. Jesus is at the head of this thing. And he, and he, and he, he puts his hand on various people at various times to pioneer elements of his church in various and new locations. And when it's him that's doing it, people gather. Sometimes very, very dramatically and all of a sudden, sometimes very gradually, but there's a gathering in. And it's part of the mark of the hand of God on something. And it's how the kingdom works. Here's how the kingdom works, is that people's hearts are stirred to be a part of something. If you look at the, it's very interesting, if you look at the story of Saul and David, two of Israel's kings, they're deliberately set against one another. One, Saul kind of represents um, human, just merely human leadership, even though God chose him and God called him. As you read the story of Saul in the book of 1 Samuel, more and more, you realize here's a man who is not walking with God. Here's a man who, who really exemplifies all the failings of human leadership, insecurity, envy, power, and all of that. With David, you find that the whole idea with David is he's, He's a picture of what spiritual leadership looks like. And, and there couldn't be more stark differences between the two. And one of the interesting things is there's this one sentence where, about, where it says of Saul, whenever he found valiant men, because he's obviously looking to gather an army, whenever he found valiant men, he took them to be with him. 
of David, we are told that there is just this, there is this almost kind of inexplicable gathering to him of people. It's like a magnetic thing because it's how God works. Hearts are joined together. It's not just, I'll have you because you are really brave. You, you come with me. It's not like that. It's, this, um, it's a beautiful thing. We're told, actually, at one point, it says, all those who are in debt and, and distressed and bitter of soul came to him. You think, great, if that's, how, if that's what God does, I don't want to be involved. You know? But next thing we know, we've got this amazing army. You think, well, what is that? It's a God thing. God joins people's hearts together. It's supernatural. You find that you just trust someone. Or you just love someone. Or you think, I want to be with this. I want to be a, I want to be a part of this group of people. Where there's something going on here. Even if you can't explain it, it's, the, it's how the Holy Spirit works. He joins people's hearts together. Rather than a kind of a, a heavy pitch, you know, or a kind of a, 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 a pressurizing, leaning. No, you're going to come, you're going to be with me now. In David, it's different. In Gideon, you see, he blows the trumpet. He's just, he's, he sends out the call. Before you know it, there are 32,000 people that are gathered to him. And I guess really part of the thing I want to say is this. If, if you're part of this church, I do want you to feel a sense of, my heart is joined here. There should be no sense of, I feel I've been pressurized to be here. I feel I've been dragged into this or lent on to be here. I just want to really say that again. That would be the last thing I'd want to be involved in. I, I, I want to be involved in something where we can all just sort of look each other in the eye and say, I feel God has joined our hearts together. So that we might go somewhere and do something amazing for his glory. And really grow together in heart together as we do that. That's the kingdom of God. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. It's not by coercion. It's not by manipulation. It's not, it, that is not how the kingdom of God works. And if you've been around anything like that, I want to say, you know, you need to detox from it. Because it's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, people's hearts are joined together. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. There's a gathering. There's a gathering. There's a gathering. So that's the first thing. Now, the third point is going to say something a little bit uh, in an interesting direction from that. So, but we'll get there when we get there. The second thing I want to look at. Well, so I've got to get used to this bit of thing here. The second thing we've got uh, is the fleece. Now, this is the fleece moment, right? If you've been a Christian a while, if I say the word Fleece. Have you done a fleece? You know exactly what I mean. Because in Christian, in Christian world, it's code for, I've asked the Lord for a confirmation, right? Everyone knows the story of Gideon. How, oh, oh, you say, I've laid a fleece. Oh, we all know what we, we know what we mean. If you're new to the Christian world, right, there's a whole vocabulary. Oh, yes. And fleece is central to it. And uh, basically it means this. If you've, if you've laid a fleece, what you've done is, is you've said something like this to God. God, I think you might be saying this, but I need you to confirm it. So, you know, I don't know, whatever. Um, we, Christians do all kinds of random things. You know, if I see someone wearing a T-shirt today that has got pink sleeves and a green circle in the middle, then I know you've called me to this. You know, all kinds of random things. People go, it's, um, it's, it's bizarre, right? But fl- how do fleeces work? Is it okay to lay fleeces? Let's just quickly look at this, right? Okay. If you, if you live your life doing fleeces, it's exhausting. If you live your life, it is absolutely exhausting. If you're one of those Christians, you're in this room, and you spend your life laying fleeces, you are exhausted, and you need to stop it. Okay? It, it is not something you should be doing every day, every week, every month, every year. It is for those very, very big moments where there is no way from the Bible of telling whether it's God or not, I.e., for example, if you suddenly sense, I'm finding my husband quite boring, I think maybe the Lord is calling me to leave him. I'll tell you what, I'll lay a fleece. No need. No need. 
Don't. It's in the book. Okay? It's in the book. You two are as flawed as your husband, and most likely boring sometimes too. Okay? Get a proper view of yourself. Start loving your husband. Okay? It's in the book. It's simple. You haven't got to lay a fleece about it. All right? So after the, after the, so if it's in the Bible, then it's in the Bible. You haven't got to do fleeces. People honestly go all kinds of bizarre lengths about things. He's got saying this when it's clearly in there. Okay? So if it's something about that, if it's something that's clearly in there, it's in there. Okay? You haven't got to lay fleeces. Second thing is this as well. Have some good wise friends in your life. That means they must be at least 10 years older than you. Okay? Do not, do, do, you need counsel as well as Bible. So one of the ways that God leads us is through good counsel, which is wiser people, which normally, not always, but normally means older people. And so I would just say to you, that's your next step before you get, before you start looking around, came to market for a nice bit of lamb fleece. Okay, find some friends who, who love Jesus and know their Bible and say, this is what I'm thinking, what do you reckon? And if you've got maybe a couple of friends you could ask for counsel, the Bible says in abundance of counsel, there's victory. Okay? You don't want too much because it gets confusing. But if you've got some good people to go to, that's a really important thing. Thirdly, common sense. Shock horror. It is spiritual to use common sense. Okay? So bring that into the mix. Once all those things are in place and it's still not clear, okay, and it's a big thing, this is a big thing. God is saying, Gideon, you need to go and destroy an army of about 100,000. That's a big thing. Right? If you're in one of those moments, lay a fleece. Okay? So it's got to be a big thing. Otherwise, like I say, what you're doing if you're laying fleeces all the time, what color socks should I wear? doesn't say in the Bible. My friends don't know. I better go and lay. No, you're just having, you, you're, just, you, you're struggling with what a lot of Christians struggle with, especially charismatic Christians who love the Holy Spirit. You don't know how to make decisions. And you're basically superstitious and you're afraid that any little small decision you make wrong, you've fallen out of God's will and you're tumbling into oblivion. Okay? The Lord wants to release you from that crazy superstition. It's a, you cannot live like that. It's, uh, it, is not, it is not a wise or godly way to live. Okay? So there are short, little decisions in life. You just make decisions and you live with it. Just make it and you live with it. Think, but it might not be as good as that one. So? Doesn't matter. Yeah, just... Just live, just live with it. It's fine. But, but I, I tell you what, that, but, that thing you missed, it's no biggie. It, was, it, would not be, it wouldn't be life transforming. It's just you chose to do that. You could have done that. No problem. Now you get to the big things. Well, it's impossible to know from the Bible. It's some kind of special leading. So for us, it was leave where you are, a church where Davina's been since she was minus 100, and uh, everyone knows us and loves us, where our kids are happy in our kids' work, where the Daisy's settled into a nice school. Leave, leave all of that and move over here and, and start a new church, new school, new life. Um, you know, blah, blah. Big decision, big moment. Um, God's into church planting, but it didn't definitely say in there whether this was the Lord or not. We needed some confirmation. So big moments like that, huge moments where you're changing direction, career, location. At these moments, it's totally appropriate to say, God, make it clear. And God is big enough and caring enough, as we heard through Frank's brilliant encouragement, to get involved. Because okay? sometimes we think, can he do it? Yes, he's big enough to show you. But does he care? Yes, he does care. So you can say, Lord, what should I do? This is one of those moments, I need you to show me, can you please confirm it one way or the other? And it's totally appropriate in those moments, in those points, to pray. And don't get hung up on how God's going to do it. Just say, God, God has ways of making it clear to you. 
beautifully, wonderfully clear ways. So, so these are, so it's, it's, it's part of what we've got, but do not, don't spend every part of your life in these things. But it does, there are moments where it is appropriate to do so. God has confirmed some amazing things to us. Amazing things to us as a church. When we were starting out, I mean, literally, we would go different places and tell people what we were doing. People would pray for us. And people would just say, I just really feel the Lord saying this. And they would say something. And it's like, wow, we were somewhere else two weeks ago. People were praying. They said exactly the same thing. And these people didn't know each other at all. It was just absolutely remarkable. You know, things like your church is going to be known for the love. And there's going to be miracles. And it's going to be known for those two things coming together. Which is a beautiful thing. Because actually, I think a lot of the time, churches feel they've got to choose between the two. Are we going to be a loving church? You know, where we kind of really care for one another and we really look after each other, but we don't want to get into all that kind of crazy miracle stuff. That's a bit freaky, a bit weird. Yeah, so we want to go for that. Or the other way around. We want to see miracles, breakthrough healing. And if you don't get healed, what's something's wrong with you? And it was the love. <laughs> Do you know, it was like, wow, it was crazy. No one wants to be around that. Jesus managed to bring the two together. Amen? <laughs> if it was a life of love and miracles, it's in Jesus. So surely his church should reflect that. So this theme would come through, come through more than once. It's God confirming, saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. There was a, there was a time when we, we, we felt like, yeah, we really feel God saying this now. But there was a bit of reticence because someone quite significant in our lives was saying, I don't think this is right. And we were like, well, what do we do? And I remember I just felt it would be right to just fast for a little while, just abstain from some food, just to seek God seriously for just a short time. Just, but just as, I think it was between breakfast and lunch. And, uh, joke, joke, joke. and uh, but just pray. Just pray. And like, God, <laughs> I remember that day. It was a tough day. Uh, no, uh, but just, just pray, Lord, show us, you know, really seek God. And after that, after that period, I remember I went to a conference and I was just praying. Someone just came over to me. They knew nothing about the situation. They said, I see an image in my mind of a fire in a box. Remember, bear in mind, I'm praying, God, we feel like you're, you're, you're calling us out to pioneer. They said, the fire has got too big for the box. The fire's got to come out of the box. And then this woman just started saying, I, can, I, I see you pioneering and just really sort of read my mail. You know, it's like, well, this is amazing. You don't know anything about what's going on what I've been seeking God for, and she just, it just confirmed it. God's saying, I'm with you. I'm with God, this is the heart of God. And we have to be confident that, you know, that God will communicate his heart. It's a beautiful, powerful thing. It really, really is. It's a wonderful, glorious thing. Even one of the key words that came was about, you know what I said earlier about David when he was living in a cave and all those came to him who were in debt or distressed or bitter of soul and next thing he's got this amazing army. That was a word that came through a number of times. People saying, it's going to be like the cave of Adullam. People are going to come sort of limping, you know, through things that have gone in life, a bit beaten up, but God's going to bring transformation. I tell you, God has done that again and again in life. He's not going to start pointing people out, but again and again, that's what he does. He makes mighty kind of spiritual soldiers out of people that were just sort of, you know, beaten up. That's what he does. He restores, doesn't he? That's his heart, to restore and to strengthen. I was at a meeting on Friday, just with some friends, none of whom knew anything about any of these prophecies, and I just was sharing about the church and where we're at. And someone just says, I just feel the cave of Adullam. You know, you think, here it is again. I said, you don't know this, but that has been, that's a promise we've, we've lived with for years. And he's saying, God is going to gather people. You know, it's just what, God just brings these confirmations, Tom. It's a beautiful thing, and he will do it. And if you're in a situation where it's something as big as that, wait on him. Wait on him. Don't bolt out of a sense of what he's not going to do. He cares. His timing is perfect. Wait. Yeah, you'll be strengthened, you'll be encouraged, you'll be directed. Because he cares. He's your father. He cares about you. Yeah? He's not, I, I'm not going to sit idly by, 
if my children go for a huge decision that is totally foolish? Of course I'm not. I'm their dad. I'm going to say, oh, well, hold on a minute. We need to talk about this. He, he cares. He's the perfect father. See, it's taking those doctrines out there and applying it to you. You've got to bring it into your life. You've got to, it's like something that can float around up there and you can sing about it. You've got to get a hold of it and pull it into your heart and say, Lord, if, if, if you're my perfect father, then that means I actually I believe that you really care about my life and you've got things to say. And so I'm going to just engage with you on this stuff. Otherwise, it just remains out there and it's powerless. Applied faith. All that doctrine that you believe, you apply into your life, into your heart. Final thing. <laughs> so he's got 32,000. And what does God say? Too many. Hold on. There's about 100,000 of them. It's way, way too many. So, okay, all right, fine. So he says, okay, so all those that are scared can go home. Now at this point, this is a, this is, I can actually think, see Gideon saying, yeah, cool. Great, great call, God. Right? Because if you've got people in the ranks that are terrified, it's contagious, isn't it? People that are negative and terrified and trembling, you do not want them in an army because it's contagious. It's like ripples. Everyone, everyone's screaming and sort of stabbing themselves all of a sudden. Yeah? It's contagious, that stuff. You do not want an army. So, it's, so it's, it's good. It's like, great. Okay, everyone who's scared can go home. Great. Until how many go home? 22,000. Okay, not brilliant, but we've still got 10,000. That feels pretty cozy. Safety in numbers. God says, nah, too many. God, there's 100,000 plus of them. God says, yeah, but what I'm really concerned about is this, is that when you win, not if, when you win, I might not get the glory. You might start thinking that, you know, because there's a lot of you, da, 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 you, you, you know, you kind of had it in you, and, and you start boasting. And See, we tend to think the victory is the most important thing. God thinks who gets the glory for the victory is the most important thing. That, that's the deal. That's the big. That's the deal breaker. Who's going to get the glory here? Who's going to? Who's going to? Who's, who's going to be boasting about who? So we've got to. We've got to strip it down a bit. Down to the river. Now, all kinds of wonderful preachers make all kinds of wonderful assessments about how, why on earth, lapping water and kneeling. And I've got no idea. Right? I'm sure there's a spiritual reason, but I've got no idea. All I do know is this: Gideon was left with 300. From in one day, possibly. From 32,000 down to 300. That's not encouraging. Right? That is like, guys, <laughs> it's one of those moments. It's a guys moment. Guys, God, what is this? What is happening here? What is God doing here? Well, I think that what's happening is, is that God's making it really, really clear that you're about supernatural work, Gideon. And um, actually, the Bible says that, that, that it doesn't matter that the Lord can save by many or by few. And, and when, it's that, when, it, when you're about something where you want to see the Lord work, you haven't got to, it's not about how well resourced you are naturally. It's not about that. We tend to think it is. We tend to lean into that. Well, what have we got? And it makes sense. What have we got? Count. What have we got? People. Who's got what? Who's got the money? How many for money? And I understand it and it's natural. But at the end of the day, God says, no, no, no. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to do something amazing with you. And actually, it's because I'm with you that it's going to happen. It's going to be amazing. And it forces you to lean into uh, God and who he is. And, and allow your heart and your spirit and your mind to become impressed with God. Which is the absolute key to a victorious Christian life. Being impressed with God. Genuine in your heart. Being, thinking God's up to it. He can do this. He can make some sense of my life. He can, he can take this life and make it fruitful. He can, with all the weakness, all the frailty, all the questions, if I entrust myself to him because of who he is, he can make it very fruitful. 
That is the heart of our faith, isn't it? That through Jesus Christ, God has said, God has, God has redeemed humanity. I mean, if God is, the, the, the eternal son has taken on humanity forever, I mean, God, God has dignified humanity in that. He, God has said, I'm happy to accomplish my greatest salvation through a man, through a human, through my son, and through brokenness, and through weakness on a cross. It enables us to see, okay, Lord, I can entrust my broken, weak self to you, and you can bring amazing fruit out of it. You see, it's the gospel. This is what it is. Now, I think this is amazing for where we are at as a church. Because what, what is our mission? What is God wanting to do with us? Well, you know, we're not going to go and attack Midianite. So what are we about? What we are about is this. God has called us here that he might build a beautiful expression of his family in this church. Built on Jesus and the amazing power of the gospel. The amazing power of forgiveness and reconciliation that comes through the cross. God is building a family built on that here. Charged with the power of his Holy Spirit. So that we might live out that life as God's people, as God's family, together. Loving one another and loving those he puts in front of us. And that many, many people that we meet will be one to him through that. They will see the gospel and believe in Jesus. Will be added to that family. And that through that, through that, his kingdom will come in this area. In our families. Think about your families for a moment. Think about your friends. Think about your colleagues. That actually through the shining light, through the radiant glory of his church, his family, proclaiming the good news, living it out, manifesting the likeness of Christ, that hearts and lives will be touched and added. And that God will just go on and go on and go on. And what happens is that his image goes on being reproduced through lives renewed in Christ. And his image fills the earth, which is always his plan from the beginning. That's the plan of God. This, our calling is to do it here and to send others to do it elsewhere. Now, we are actually in a bit of a whittling down season. We're being whittled down. Have you noticed that? We are. Those of you that I guess you may not realize this, we, we are being whittled down. We're in a Gideon moment as a church. Jose and Berenice Arbeleda, amazing couple. Full of just wonders and treasures and riches came to be with us. Oh, wonderful. And now they've gone to Colombia. To where they, where, I mean, what the, the work they're beginning to do out there is just incredible. They're running a ministry for restoration of families. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing out there in Colombia. But they're not with us anymore. And we feel it. Seven Charlie Rumsby. Brilliant evangelistic pioneers. Wonderful, wonderful couple that are just dear to our hearts. Um, I've gone to Coventry, don't ask me. But uh, I've gone to Coventry. I'm sure the Lord's in it. That's what, so that, but we feel it. Ah, oh, okay, we're being whittled down. The amazing Sandra, what a, what a role model, what a hero. She is to so many of us. Just one wonderful, wonderful woman, full of just spiritual humility, authority, grace. Just beautiful, wonderful woman of God. Out in North Africa now doing a wonderful thing, but she's not with us. Tom and Chloe Avery, what a family. Tom's prayers would shake the pillars of hell every Sunday as we, as we gathered here. I'm just a beautiful family of fun and devotion to Christ. Out gone to help with the church plant in Amsterdam. Brilliant, but not with us. Dave Lees and Esme Smith. Around pretty much the start of the church. Lees a smile and Dave's laugh. What are we going to do without them? We feel it. Gone moved to Brixton. Because Dave's just doing an amazing job in this secondary school, head of RE, you know, take 12 kids from his school along to a new day. And just, just amazing. He wants to live near where God's put him. 
fair play to him. God be with them, but we're going to miss them. We feel it. Dave, Jen, Naomi and Jonah. Mance, ouch. <laughs> ouch, I wept when they went. Just one of my dear friends. You say, oh. So, the, so you're not around anymore. <laughs> Suddenly it dawns on you. You get it, you feel it. You feel it, it hurts. Simon and Natalie, Jonas, Felix and Elias. Off the, on their way to plant a church in Frankfurt in the, in the coming months. Big hit for us. We're being whittled down. Ah! Run! <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is something God is doing. Okay, new season. These people are not for this season. As much as it hurts, personally, on a friendship level, he's got fresh purposes for them and fresh purposes for us. They've helped us get this far in our journey. But I want to just ask you, if you knew any of those people I've just mentioned, I want you to look at them, look at their lives. What is it you admired about them? What is it that you think I love about them? And will you please imitate them? That you might become pillars as well. That you might become those that are able to be weight bearers in the church. That's what we need in this season, people to begin to step up and say, do you know what? I'm going to bear some weight here. I'm in. My heart is not melting. I'm not fearful and afraid. I'm not going to run away. I'm in and I'm in it to win it. And I want to stand and help. With the guys, serve the Lord Jesus in this area. Let's imitate them in terms of hospitality, opening up our homes, having people around. These things are huge in the kingdom. Open up our lives and hearts to others. We'll only be able to grow big and strong, bigger and stronger than ever, if we create really, really strong communities, gospel communities. This is a big deal. We are putting so much energy and resource into this right now because it's great to come and celebrate on a Sunday, but we've got to work it out. What does it look like? Early church, in and out of one another's homes, sharing lives, encouraging each other. You know, one of the main ways that God causes us to grow and helps us to mature and become fruitful is through one another, through connecting our hearts to one another and through us learning to walk together in it. So that's why we want to encourage you. You know, there's a GC Gospel Community sign-up table out there in the hallway please if you're not part of one just go and sh- find one doesn't you might say well none of these really grab me don't worry about it there'll be people in there that grab you just join to someone that grabs you i want to be with you that's the way it works. in the bible you find it's not just the purposes people are drawn to it's people you might just find out well i don't none of these visions are particularly uh, my life's passion but you know what i want to be around you for a couple of years that's great God will use that to really, really grow you. Gospel communities are the way that we share our lives, encourage and build each other up, learn how to do family together whilst we're on a mission for God, shining our light out there into London. It's a big deal. We're going to show a video in just a moment of different gospel communities that you can be a part of. And um, yeah, This is a big deal. And we've, got a, we've got a welcome gospel community which runs on an like eight-week cycle. They've currently got 18 guests. It's wonderful. It means that those 18 people, many of them will be looking for a gospel community home. In the next few weeks. So be ready to welcome them. Be on the front foot. Draw them into your community. Because we grow by being together. I know I say it probably every week, every other week. But it is such a key thing. The Bible says don't. Do not give up meeting together. As is the habit of some. Do not. But all the more as the day draws near. Keep meeting to exhort one another. And to encourage one another. So that you won't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, if you're living isolated, you're just doing your own thing. Sin just creeps in and you find suddenly you're you're, you're into stuff and you think, how did I get here? And it's just from a lack of meaningful fellowship. 
where you're with people that are encouraging you, where you're around the world together, where you're praying with one another, where you're just doing life together. This is really, really important. We've learned a lot of lessons over the past three years of our gospel communities. And um, they are going from strength to strength now. We look like we're on track in between now and Christmas to start three more. It's just encouraging where this is going. We've employed Adam, who's this weekend at a wedding in Spain, so we can't be here, but we've employed Adam full time to work behind the scenes and strengthen our arm in every way. I tell you what, I want to commend him to you as a wonderful man of God. You know the guy, glasses, beard, very cool, very godly. That's the four things really about him. Um, I don't know how he pulls all that together, but he does. It's easier to commend him for you when he's not here, so let me do that. I want to commend him to you. We, we, don't, just, we don't just employ people full time. <laughs> it's a huge decision. But we felt, we see the hand of God on him to help us in this next phase to go from strength to strength. Okay? We are just at the beginning of this. We, we want to get somewhere really, really good where we can genuinely draw people that, 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 that come out of darkness and into Jesus' light to enjoy Jesus' family. So important. It's absolutely vital to when someone first gets born again, like a newborn baby physically, their life's there, but it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable and care and attention is needed. And that's part of what gospel communities are for, that they are places where people can just be welcomed in and nurtured and and and, 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 and nourished and cultivated. And then and then over time they just and but to be in a context of mission of heart for people that don't know Jesus yet, it's a beautiful, beautiful, powerful mixture. And uh, we really do want to go from strength to strength. And I do encourage you. Let's really buy into this. This is not uh, peripheral. This is a huge, huge deal. And I know many of you, you, you know in your hearts, you, you, you're here because you feel absolutely called to your workplace. You feel absolutely called to a certain vocation or something that you're going for. And it is so vital, you know, that we are behind you in that. But you are able to join that up with things like fruitful, meaningful church life. Not see them as separate things. That the thing is joined up so that the one serves the other, serves the other, serves the other. So that you are fruitful and safe as you go forward uh, following God's call on your life. It's so important that you understand these things. Let's watch this video and then I'll wrap it up and then we'll break bread together. I want to end by firstly just looking at the greatest whittling down that ever happened. The greatest whittling down that ever happened was this. Jesus on his way into Jerusalem with thousands of people laying down their branches crying out, Hosanna. Very quickly down to um, 12 in a room, 11 in a room, one goes out in order to betray him. Jesus and 11 in a garden and the one who betrays him comes with the soldiers and all 11 flee. Jesus is left alone. The ultimate whittling down, he's left alone and, and, and he's crying out. If there might be another way from the father, but he gets peace with God that this is the way. And he knows in his heart and always has. This is the way for the greatest victory that there has ever been. So he goes to the cross alone. And our mighty saviour takes on sin, Satan and death at the cross. And beats them all. And rises from the dead three days later as a, as a demonstration, as a justification that he is all that he said he was. And he rules and reigns today. And there will be at the end, people from every tribe and tongue and nation around the throne. And you'll see, the, Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. 
So I, I, wanna, I, I absolutely want to interpret the whittling down we're in through gospel lenses. God is preparing us for a new season. God is wanting people in our midst to step up and say, I'm going to take more weight. Not in a heavy, burdensome way, but in terms of I want to I become a pillar here. Many of you already are, but others of you to step forward. I want to call you to do it. I want to I say this is to give yourself, to give yourself to the local church. And I'm not talking about working full time for the church. I'm talking about a heart, a heart commitment to the local church, regardless of what your vocation is, regardless of what you spend most of your time doing. But to give yourself heart, mind, soul and strength to, to the purposes of God through the church is, an, is a glorious privilege. I want to call you to do it and say, come on, let's go for this together because God's doing an amazing thing. He is. And, uh, and his church is going to come into ever, ever increasing glory. He's determined it. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. And we're going to enter a season. And I also want to just throw out to those of you that are here, that you're not quite, I want to call you to just come and, I want to say, come with us, we'll do you good. Okay? Uh, that's not me saying that um, other churches around or anything of the sort. It's not a comment at all. We partner with and love other churches. So that's, it's not a comment on that. But it is, it is a comment on us. Come with us and we'll do you good. We'll do you good. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to learn how to uh, walk with him and grow into maturity, come with us and we'll, together we'll, we're, we're all learning that ourselves. We would love to have you with us as we do that. Amen? Amen. 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 Good stuff. Let's just pray and we'll, we'll respond to God. Father, Father, thank you for where you've got us. I actually genuinely want to thank you for where you've got us. Even though the pain of losing, not, not doing life with good friends in, in the same way as it once was, seeing people that we love dearly go. Actually, Lord, I do want to say I trust you. I absolutely trust you. And I trust, Lord, that your anointing on us, Jesus, your anointing, will gather many people to us. I, just, I, I trust it and I feel utterly confident in you. And I thank you. You are just such a brilliant shepherd to follow. You are able to guide us through our own personal life, with all difficulties and challenges and questions, and also, and also take us as a flock through as well. And I just say, Lord, you can do it. And our confidence is in you, Jesus is the good shepherd. It really is. I want to just say that to you, Lord. I want to just say that. Before I finish praying, I just feel for some, it's actually an important moment for you to, to just be able to... Um, I just feel that this, just for some, it's just one of those, it's, it's, it's a gathering moment. It's a, God's joining your heart. God's just joining your heart. And it may be that you're, you're not part of us, but you just know God's joined your heart today and you want to be involved. Or it may be that you're definitely part of us, but God's just joined your heart freshly. He's help, helped you to see something fresh. And you just, you've just sensed a fresh sense of that. And I just want to be able to give you a chance to respond to the Lord in doing that and um just i just want if that's you just stand where you are and i want to just pray for you pray god's blessing on you and direction on you as you do that so just you know there's no expectation on my part for how many people but if you just know god has moved on your heart today it's a god thing and you want to respond then you just stand where you are i just want to pray for you lord we love the way you work we just love the way you work. Thank you that you work internally. And you cause our hearts to be stirred. And that's something that only you can do. And I love it. And we love it. And I want to just pray for those that have stood. Because they've just sensed, Lord, something of a joining of heart today. Either for a first time or in a fresh way. And I want to bless you for them. I want to thank you for what you have done in their hearts today. 
And Lord, I want to just pray, oh God, that you now would give them wisdom for their next steps. I thank you that all, all, all valuable things start with the heart. All things that mean anything start with the heart. And I thank you for that. It's huge. But I pray now, oh Lord, for a, a next step's wisdom and grace to be on these people. Just to be able to talk to the right people and get the ball rolling. I just, wanna, I just, I just pray, Lord, that they, in this moment, would just know your joy and your peace. That that is what, thank you, the Bible says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. I pray for the peace of Christ to rule in their hearts. And uh, they would just really just have a sense of God has done something today. And it's something that cannot be undone. So we just bless every work of the Spirit in every heart today. We say let nothing be snatched or stolen away. Let everything be kept safe. And let it incubate beautifully and give birth to wonderful life-giving things. I pray this in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.